Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm at mom and dad's house. Um, the kids are running around down here in the basement screaming and stuff. So if you, if you hear cute. the kiddos running around, those are just the nephews. Nothing crazy. Oh, I do hear like a very faint. It's probably like a will. Oh, if it's like a vague, fake, it's probably auto. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You'd hear well. You'd hear well. Uh, <laughs> I love them. I love the videos that Anna posts. They're just so cute. Can't You're talking about that. tiny beans? Yeah. Yeah. Tiny beans is the bomb. It always cheers me up when I'm feeling low. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, look at them looking at the snow. And then Otto put his hands up. And then Will put his hands up and is like catching snowflakes. It's cute. They're cute. All right. Well. well Welcome to the season one finale of the Weasley's Wizarding Twin Cast. Oh, yeah, did you hear yeah, me say yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the Weasley's Wizarding Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Twin Cast. Twin Cast. <laughs> David. This is the David track. As David's slightly more responsible than Daniel, that will be a theme throughout the podcast. <laughs> Shade. <laughs> like we have a group chat and just it just feels like it's a me and david chat until like daniel was like oh i yeah i'm awake like okay yeah don't, don't worry it's nothing against you that's how he treats all of our group chats yeah. <laughs> so I, like, that's why i described it as a personality trait of his yeah. and not like a <laughs> shade to me personally yeah quick aside on that we went and played mm -hmm. golf with our friend uh who lives in minnesota actually he's like 15 minutes from you guys Oh, fun. Um, and he had to drive a boat that his dad bought from Minnesota out to Colorado. So he's oh, like, boy. hey, guys, I'm in town. You want to play golf? Me and mm -hmm. Cody responded almost immediately. We're like, yeah, mm -hmm. let's go play golf. Let's do it or whatever. <laughs> and, and then he like texted us um, like the night before we went and played. And he's like, so if you guys aren't down for Sunday, then like you want to do something else? And we're like, dude, we are down. He's like, oh, well, Dan didn't respond. So I just kind of assumed <laughs> we we're like, yeah. He wants to. He just he does that. Shy. He does that. He's shy. <laughs> <laughs> well, just what I might do with him is we might just go from like the recap portion right into the reading to keep you all on track. Cause I feel like Dan, I gotta like capitalize on times when he shows, you know. Well, true, but I it think everybody's gonna show up for yeah, Thanksgiving and stuff. What but time are you guys see. eating? I, mean, I have no idea. Probably like three. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Wait, five hours. Okay. So we left off. End of chapter 15. We left was... off specifically with Harry laying down to go to sleep at night after all of the day's events. He was out in the forest. Um, right. Almost got killed. And then he laid down in bed and he had the invisibility cloak folded up and put at the end of his bed with a note that said, just in case. Oh, good memory. That Thank is what you. It, I'm, exactly pr what I'm proud said. of remembering that. But yeah. I, I, that's one thing as we go here, like I feel like I'm able to remember the details a bit more <laughs> okay just because it's so much more intense okay Which, yeah. so the next chapter then is called is chapter 16 called through the trap door what do you think is going to happen in this oh, chapter? Well, i can i can only imagine that uh, they're going to find a way past fluffy whoa you and, think they're going to uh, go through through that trap door i mean it's a wild guess but yeah <laughs> that's what's gonna happen <laughs> they if they were to get through the door what are you expecting them to find uh, i would expect that they'd find the sorcerer's stone down there somewhere hmm. but it's also i mean it's probably not as easy as oh now that you're in the trap door there it is mm -hmm. although that was kind of the way with the vault but the vault was like extremely secure mm -hmm. i guess this place is too but 
Um, and play safer than Hogwarts and Gringotts. <laughs> especially when you've got all your professors who have their own spells cast on this trapdoor or the area or something like right it seems like they're they're gonna have a hard time getting to it and i don't actually know why they want to get to it (laughs) well they're (laughs) really worried that snape is gonna steal it because they think he broke coral like yesterday right i get that but what are a bunch of 11 year olds gonna do with the sorcerer's stone (laughs) uh just you know shield shield it from snape's Oh, bad they, wishes okay. i guess because so they'll, they, remember they'll they were be gonna tell to... dumbledore but that they quickly got themselves talked out of that because that would be a right. bad idea because he wouldn't believe them yada yada so they feel like this is all on their shoulders now yeah so like from an adult perspective <laughs> this is stupid they should go tell somebody <laughs> go else. tell the adult like how but about from tell a... the most powerful living wizard yeah exactly <laughs> like yeah Can you deal with this <laughs> and um, then from from like a younger me perspective like yeah this they better take on this responsibility <laughs> yeah. they better keep this thing safe oh they're totally right Dumbledore they know, they know too much about it they're too bought in <laughs> it's, up to, it's really them versus the world at this point <laughs> it's up to them He's, to keep the sorcerer stone what safe. we know about their magic <laughs> is that they know like wingardium leviosa and that you, they use that to defeat a troll yep so they have that sort of uh, we know hermione knows spells like alohomora to unlock a door this door yep. in particular and um we other than that like did they even successfully like turn the pencil into like a needle or whatever they were trying to do, yeah. do they know magic at this point maybe have we i don't think we've seen harry cast anything yet yeah it's kind of been he, vaguely described that he like goes to class but not like yeah what he's accomplished so yeah if i you know if i were a betting man which i tend to be sometimes um <laughs> i I'd, I'd probably bet that he casts his first spell by the time this book is over mm. yeah i don't know if it's going to be, be exciting stone, but right we'll see what happens. okay well shall we Just, find out i think we should let's get after ready it. yep all right chapter 16 through the trap door and you are treated to a delicious photo of a three-headed dog here that you are missing out on um shoot <laughs> In, in the years to come, Harry would never quite remember how he had managed to get through his exams when he half expected Voldemort to come bursting through the door at any moment. Ah, he didn't even know how he was going to pass his exams, so we're not alone in thinking that. Yet, as, yet the days crept by and there could be no doubt that Fluffy was still alive and well behind that locked door. It was sweltering hot, especially in the large classroom where they did their written papers. They had been given special new quills for the exams, which had been bewitched with an anti-cheating spell. They had practical exams as well. Professor Flitwick called them one by one into his class to see if they could make a pineapple tap dance across a desk. Professor McGonagall watched him turn a mouse into a snuff box. Points were given for how pretty the snuff box was, but taken away if it had whiskers. Snape made them all nervous, breathing down their necks while they tried to remember how to make a forgetfulness potion. Like the irony there. Harry did the best he could, trying to ignore the stabbing pains in his forehead, which had been bothering him ever since his trip into the forest. Neville thought Harry had a bad case of exam nerves because Harry couldn't sleep, but the truth was that Harry kept being woken by his old nightmare, except that now it was worse than ever because there was a hooded figure dripping blood in it. Mm. It was because they hadn't seen what Harry had seen in the forest or because they didn't have the scars burning on their foreheads, but Ron and Hermione didn't seem as worried about the stone as Harry. The idea of Voldemort certainly scared them, but he didn't keep visiting them in his dreams. And they were so busy with their studying that they didn't have much time to fret about what Snape or anyone else might be up to. Their very last exam was history of magic. 
One hour of answering questions about batty old wizards who'd invented self-stirring cauldrons and they'd be free, free for a whole wonderful week until their exam results came out. When the ghost of Professor Vins told them to put down their quills and roll up their parchment, Harry couldn't help cheering with the rest. That was far easier than I thought it would be, said Hermione, as they joined the crowds flocking out onto the sunny grounds. I need to have learned about the 1637 werewolf code of conduct or the uprising of Elfric the Eager. (laughs) Hermione always liked to go through their exam papers afterwards, but Ron said this made him feel ill. So they wandered down to the lake and flopped under a tree. The Weasley twins and Lee Jordan were tickling the tentacles of a giant squid, which was basking in the warm shallows. There's a giant squid in this lake. No more studying, Ron sighed happily, stretching out on the grass. You could look more cheerful, Harry. We've got a week before we find out how badly we've done, and there's no need to worry yet. Harry was rubbing his forehead. I wish I knew what this means, he burst out angrily. My scar keeps hurting. It's happened before, but never as often as this. Go to Madame Pomfrey, Hermione suggested, the adult. (laughs) Mm. I'm not ill, said Harry. I think it's a warning. It means danger's coming. Ron couldn't get worked up. It was too hot. Harry, relax. Hermione's right. The stone's safe as long as Dumbledore's around. Anyway, we've never had any proof Snape found out how to get past Fluffy. He nearly had his leg ripped off once, and he's not going to try it again in a hurry. And Neville will play Quidditch for England before Hagrid lets Dumbledore down. Harry nodded, but he couldn't shake off a lurking feeling that there was something he'd forgotten to do, something important. When he tried to explain this, Hermione said, that's just the exams. I woke up last night and was halfway through my transfiguration notes before I remembered we'd done that one already. (laughs) Harry was quite sure the unsettled feeling didn't have anything to do with work, though. He watched an owl flutter towards the school across the bright blue sky, a note clamped in its mouth. Hagrid was the only one who ever sent him letters. Hagrid would never betray Dumbledore. Hagrid would never tell anyone how to get past Fluffy. Never. But Harry suddenly jumped to his feet. Where are you going? Ron said sleepily. I've just thought of something, Harry said. He turned white. We've got to go and see Hagrid now. Why? panted Hermione, trying to keep up. Don't you think it's a bit odd, said Harry, scrambling up the grassy slope, that what Hagrid wants more than anything else is a dragon, and a stranger turns up who just happens to have a dragon egg in his pocket? And how many people Mm. wander around with dragon eggs if it's against wizard law? Lucky they found Hagrid, don't you think? Why didn't I see it before? What are you talking about, said Ron, but Harry sprinted across the grounds towards the forest and didn't answer. Hagrid was sitting in an armchair outside his house. His trousers and sleeves were rolled up and he was shelling peas into a large bowl. Hello, he said, smiling. Finished your exams. Got time for a drink. Yes, please, said Ron, but Harry cut him off. No, we're in a hurry. Hagrid, I've got to ask you something. You know that night you won Norbert? What did the stranger you were playing cards with look like? Dunno, said Hagrid casually. He wouldn't take his cloak off. He saw the three of them look stunned and raised his eyebrows. Uh, it's not that unusual. You had a lot of funny folk in the hog's head. That's one of the pubs down in the village. Might have been a dragon dealer, mightn't he? I never saw his face. He kept his hood up. Harry sank down next to the bowl of peas. What did you talk to him about, Hagrid? Did you mention Hogwarts at all? Might have come up, said Hagrid, frowning as he tried to remember. Yeah, yeah, yes, what I did, and I told him I was a gamekeeper here. He asked a bit about the sort of creatures I look after, so I told him, and I said... What I'd always really wanted was a dragon. And then I can't remember too well because he kept buying me drinks. Let's see. Yeah, he said then he had the dragon egg and then we could play cards for it if I wanted. But he had to be sure I could handle it. He didn't want to go to any old home. So I told him after Fluffy, a dragon would be easy. Harry said, and did he did he seem interested in Fluffy? Harry asked, trying to keep his voice calm. 
Well, yeah. How many hit three headed dogs do you meet even around Hogwarts? So I told him Fluffy's a piece of cake. If you just know how to calm him down, just play him a bit of music and he'll go right off to sleep. Hagrid suddenly looks, looked horrified. I shouldn't have told you that he blurred out. Forgot, forget I said it. Hey, hey, where are you going? Harry, Ron, and Hermione didn't speak to each other at all until they came to a halt in the entrance hall, which seemed very cold and gloomy after the grounds. We've got to go to Dumbledore, said Harry. Hagrid told the stranger how to get past Fluffy, and it was either Snape or Voldemort under that cloak. It might, must have been easy because once he got Hagrid drunk, I just hope Dumbledore believes us. Friends might, be, might back us up if Bane doesn't stop him. Where's Dumbledore's office? They looked around as if hoping to see a sign pointing them in the right direction. They'd never been told where Dumbledore lived, nor did they know anyone who had been sent to see him. We'll just have to, Harry began, but a voice suddenly rang across the hall. What are you three doing inside? It was Professor McGonagall carrying a large pile of books. We want to see Professor Dumbledore, said Hermione rather bravely, Harry and Ron thought. See Professor Dumbledore, Professor McGonagall repeated, as though this is a very fishy thing to want to do. Why? Harry swallowed. Now what? Uh, it's sort of a secret, he said, but he wished at once he hadn't because Professor McGonagall's nostrils flared. Professor Dumbledore left 10 minutes ago, she said coldly. He received an urgent owl from the Ministry of Magic and flew off from London at once. He is gone, said Harry frantically. Now, Professor Dumbledore is a very great wizard, Potter, and he has many demands on his time. But this is important. Something you have to say is more important than the Ministry of Magic, Potter. Look, said Harry, throwing caution to the winds. Professor, it's about the Sorcerer's Stone. Whatever M Professor McGonagall had expected, it wasn't that. The book she was carrying tumbled out of her arms, and, but she didn't even pick them up. How, how do you know? She spluttered. Professor, I think I know that someone's going to try and steal the stone. I've got to talk to Professor Dumbledore. She eyed him with a mixture of shock and suspicion. Professor Dumbledore will be back tomorrow, she said finally. I don't know how you found out about the stone, but rest assured no one can possibly steal it. It's too well protected. But Professor Potter, I know what I'm talking about, she said shortly. She bent down and gathered up the fallen books. I suggest you all go back outside and enjoy the sunshine. But they didn't. <laughs> it's tonight, said Harry, once he was sure Professor McGonagall was out of earshot. Snape's going through the trapdoor tonight. He's found out everything he needs, and now he's got Dumbledore out of the way. He sent that note. I bet the Ministry of Magic will get a real shock when Dumbledore even turns up. But what can we? Hermione gasped. Harry and Ron wheeled around. Snape was standing there. Good afternoon, he said smoothly. They stared at him. You shouldn't be inside on a day like this, he said with an odd, twisted smile. We were, Harry began without any idea of what he was going to say. You want to be more careful, said Snape, hanging around like this. People will think you're up to something. And Gryffindor really can't afford to lose any more points, can it? Harry flushed. They turned to go outside, but Snape called them back. Be warned, Potter. Any more nighttime wanderings, and I will personally make sure that you are expelled. Good day to you. He strode off in the direction of the staff room. Out on the stone steps, Harry turned to the others. Right, here's what we've got to do, he whispered urgently. One of us has got to keep an eye on Snape. Wait outside the staff room and follow him if he leaves it. Hermione, you'd better do that. Why me? It's obvious, said Ron. You can pretend to be waiting for Professor Flitwick, you know? He put on a high voice. Oh, Professor Flitwick, I'm so worried. I think I got a question 14B wrong. Oh, shut up, said Hermione. But she agreed to go and watch out for Snape. <laughs> and we'd better stay outside the third floor corridor, Harry told Ron. Come on. But that part of the plan didn't work. No sooner had they reached the door, separating Fluffy from the rest of the school, than Professor McGonagall turned up again. And this time she lost her temper. 
I suppose you think you're harder to get past than a pack of enchantments, she stormed. Enough of this nonsense. If I hear you come anywhere near here again, I'll take another 50 points from Gryffindor. Yes, Weasley, from my own house. Harry and Ron went back to the common room. Harry had just said, at least Hermione's on Snape's tail, when the portrait of the fat lady swung open and Hermione came in. I'm sorry, Harry, she wailed. Snape came out and asked me what I was doing, so I said I was waiting for Flitwick, and Snape went to get him, and I've only got, and I've only just got away. I don't know where Snape went. Well, that's it then, isn't it, said Harry. The other two glared at him. He was pale and eyes were glittering. I'm going out of here tonight and I'm going to try to get the stone first. You're mad, said Ron. You can't, said Hermione. After what McGonagall and Snape have said, you'll be expelled. So what, Harry shouted. Don't you understand? If Snape gets a hold of the stone, Voldemort's coming back. Haven't you heard what it's been like when he was trying to take over? There won't be any Hogwarts left to get expelled from. He'll flatten it or turn it into a school for the dark arts. Losing points doesn't matter anymore. Can't you see? Do you think he'll leave you and your families alone if Gryffindor wins the house cup? If I get caught before I can get to the stone well, I'll have to go back to the Dursleys and wait for Voldemort to find me there. It's only dying a bit later than I would have because I'm never going to because I'm never going over to the dark side. I'm going through that trapdoor tonight and nothing you two say is going to stop me. Voldemort killed my parents, remember? He glared at them. You're right, Harry, said Hermione in a small voice. I'll use the invisibility cloak, said Harry. It's just lucky I got it back. But will it cover the three of us, said Ron? All, all three of us? Oh, come off. You don't think we'd let you go alone? Of course not, said Hermione briskly. How do you think you'd get to the stone without us? I'd better go and look through my books. There might be something useful. But if we get caught, you two will be expelled too. Not if I can help it, said Hermione grimly. Flitwick told me in secret that I got 112% on my exam. They're not throwing me out after that. <laughs> After dinner, the three of them sat nervously apart in the common room. Nobody bothered them. None of the Gryffindors had anything to say to Harry anymore, after all. This was the first night that he hadn't been upset by it. Hermione was skimming through all her notes, trying, hoping to come across one of the enchantments that they were about to try to break. Harry and Ron didn't talk much. Both of them were thinking about what they were going to do. Slowly, the room emptied as people drifted off to bed. Better get the cloak, Ron muttered as Lee Jordan finally left, stretching and yawning. Harry ran upstairs to their dark dormitory pulled out the cloak, and then his eyes fell on the flute Hagrid had given him for Christmas. He pocketed it to use on Fluffy. He didn't feel much like singing. He ran back down to the common room. We'd better put the cloak on here and make sure it covers all three of us. If Filch spots one of our feet wandering along on its own. What are you doing, said a voice from the corner of the room. Neville appeared from behind an armchair, clutching Trevor the Toad, who looked as though he'd been making another bid for freedom. Uh, nothing, Neville, nothing, said Harry hurriedly, putting the cloak back behind his back. Neville stared at their guilty faces. You're going out again, he said. No, 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 said Hermione. No, we're not. We're not. Why don't you go to bed, Neville? <laughs> Harry looked at the grandfather clock by the door. They couldn't afford to waste any more time. Snape might even now be playing Fluffy to sleep. You can't go out, said Neville. You'll be caught again. Gryffindor will be in even more trouble. You don't understand, said Harry. This is important. But Neville was clearly stealing himself to do something desperate. I won't let you do it, he said, hurrying to stand in front of the portrait hole. I'll, I'll fight you. Neville, Ron exploded. Get away from that hole and don't be an idiot. Don't you call me an idiot, said Neville. I don't think you should be breaking any more rules. And you were the one who told me to stand up to people. Yes, but not to us, said Ron in exasperation. Neville, you don't know what you're doing. He took a step forward and Nev Neville dropped Trevor the toad who leapt out of sight. Go on then. Try and hit me, said Neville, raising his fist. I'm ready. Harry turned to Hermione. Do something, he said desperately. Hermione stepped forward. Neville, she said, 
I'm really, really sorry about this. She raised her wand. Petrificus totalis, she cried, pointing it at Neville. Neville's arms snapped to his sides. His legs sprang together, his whole body rigid. He swayed where he stood and he fell flat on his face, stiff as a board. Hermione ran to turn him over. Neville's jaws were jammed together so he couldn't speak. Only his eyes were moving, looking at them in horror. What have you done to him? Harry whispered. It's the full body bind, said Hermione miserably. Oh, Neville, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Poor Neville. (laughs) I know. We had to, Neville. No time to explain, said Harry. You'll understand later, Neville, said Ron, as they stepped over him and pulled on the invisibility cloak. But leaving Neville lying motionless on the floor didn't feel like a very good omen. In their nervous state, every statue's shadow looked like filch. Every distant breath of wind sounded like peeves swooping down on them. At the foot of the first set of stairs, they spotted Mrs. Norris skulking near the top. Oh, let's kick her just this once, Ron whispered in Harry's ear. But Harry shook his head. As they climbed carefully around her, Mrs. Norris turned her lamp-like eyes on them, but didn't do anything. They didn't meet anyone else until they reached the staircase up to the third floor. Peeves was bobbing halfway up, loosening the carpet so people would trip. Who's there, he said suddenly as they climbed toward him. He narrowed his wicked black eyes. No, you're there, even if I can't see you. Are you ghouly or ghosty or we student beastie? (laughs) He rose up in the air and floated there, squinting at them. Should call Filch, I should, if something's a creeping around unseen. Harry had a sudden idea. Peeves, he said in a hoarse whisper. The bloody Baron has his own reasons for being invisible. Peeves almost fell out of the air in shock. He caught himself in time and hovered about a foot off the stairs, as if a ghost falling would hurt himself. So sorry, your bloodiness, Mr. Baron, sir, he said greasily. My mistake, my mistake. I didn't see you. Of course I didn't. You're invisible. Forgive old Peevesy for his little joke, sir. I have business here, Peeves, croaked Harry. Stay away from this place tonight. I will, sir. I most certainly will, said Peeves, rising up off the air again. <sighs> Hope your business goes well, Baron. I'll not bother you. And he scooted off. Brilliant, Harry, whispered John, whispered Ron. John. <laughs> <laughs> A few seconds later, there they were outside the third floor corridor and the door was already ajar. Well, there you are, said Harry said quietly. Snape's already got past Fluffy. Seeing the open door somehow seemed to impress upon all three of them what was facing them. Underneath the cloak, Harry turned to the other two. If you don't, if you want to go back, I won't blame you, he said. You can take the cloak. I won't need it now. Don't be stupid, said Ron. We're coming, said Hermione. Harry pushed the door open. As the door creaked, Low, rumbling growls met their ears. All three of the dogs' noses sniffed madly in their direction, even though it couldn't see them. What's that at its feet? Hermione whispered. Looks like a harp, said Ron. Snape must have left it there. It must wake up the moment you stop playing, said Harry. Well, here goes. He put Hagrid's flute to his lips and and blew. It wasn't really a tune, but from the first note, the beast's eyes began to droop. Harry hardly drew breath. Mm. Slowly, the dogs' growls ceased. It tottered on its paws and fell to its knees and then slumped on the ground fast asleep. Keep playing, Ron warned Harry as they slipped out of the cloak and crept toward the trap door. They could feel the dog's hot, smelly breath as they approached the giant heads. <laughs> I think we'll be able to pull the door open, said Ron, peering over the dog's back. Want to go first, Hermione? No, I don't. All right, Ron gritted his teeth and stepped carefully over the dog's legs. He bent and pulled the ring of the trap door, which swung up and open. What can you see? Hermione said anxiously. Nothing, just black. There's no way of climbing down. We'll just have to drop. Harry, who was still playing the flute, waved at Ron to get his attention and pointed at himself. You want to go first? Are you sure? Said Ron. I don't know how deep this thing goes. Give the flute to Hermione so she can keep him asleep. 
Harry handed the flute over. In the few seconds' silence, the dog growled and twitched, but the moment Hermione began to play, it fell back into its deep sleep. Harry climbed over it and looked down through the trap door. There was no sign of the bottom. He lowered himself through the hole until he was hanging on by his fingertips. And then he looked up at Ron and said, if anything happens to me, don't follow. Go straight to the Owlry and send Hedwig to Dumbledore, right? Right, said Ron. See you in a minute, I hope. And Harry let go. Cold, damp air rushed past him as he fell down, 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 and thump. With a funny, muffled sort of thump, he landed on something soft. He sat up and felt around, his eyes not used to the gloom. He felt as though he was sitting on some sort of plant. It's okay, he called up to the light the size of the postage stamp, which was the open trapdoor. It's a soft landing. You can jump. Ron followed right away. His land, he landed sprawled next to Harry. What is this stuff were his first words? Don't know, some sort of plant thing. I suppose it's here to break the fall. Come on, Hermione. The distant music stopped and there was a loud bark from the dog, but Hermione had already jumped. She landed on Harry's other side. We must be miles under the school, she said. Lucky this plant thing's here, really, said Ron. Lucky, shrieked Hermione. Look at you both. She left up and struggled toward a damp wall. She had to struggle because the moment she had landed, the plant had started to twist snake-like tendrils around her ankles. As for Harry and Ron, their legs had already been bound tightly in long creepers without them noticing. Hermione had managed to free herself before the plant got a grip on her, but now she watched in horror as the two boys fought to pull the plant off of them. But the more they strained against it, the tighter and faster the plant wound around them stop moving Hermione ordered them I know what this is it's devil's snare oh I'm glad we know what it's called that's a great help snarled Ron (laughs) leaning back trying to stop the plant from curling around his neck shut up I'm trying to remember how to kill it said Hermione well hurry up I can't breathe Harry gasped wrestling it as it curled around his chest devil's snare devil's snare what did professor sprout say it it likes dark and the damp (laughs) so light a fire Harry choked Yes, yes, of course, but there's no wood, Hermione said, wringing her hands. Have you gone mad, Ron bellowed. Are you a witch or not? Oh, right, said Hermione. So she whipped out her wand, <laughs> waved it, muttered something, and sent a jet of bluebell flames she had used on Snape at the plant. Of the same bluebell flames she had used on Snape at the plant. Oh, that's, that's from the Quidditch game. Yeah. In a matter of seconds, the two boys felt its grip loosening, and it cringed away from the light and warmth. Wriggling and flailing, it unraveled itself from their bodies, and they were able to pull free. Lucky you pay attention in herbology, Hermione, said Harry as he joined her by the wall, wiping sweat off his face. Yeah, said Ron, and lucky Harry doesn't lose his head in crisis. There's no wood, honestly. (laughs) This way, said Harry, pointing down a stone passageway, which was the only way forward. They could hear a part, they could, all they could hear apart from their footsteps was the gentle drip of water trickling down the walls. The passageway sloped downward, and Harry was reminded of Gringotts. With an unpleasant jolt of the heart, he remembered the dragons said to be guarding the vault in the wizard's bank. If they had met a dragon, a fully grown dragon, Norbert had been bad enough. Do you, can you hear something? Ron whispered. Harry listened. A soft rustling and clinking seemed to be coming from up ahead. Do you think it's a ghost? I don't know. Sounds like wings to me. There's a light ahead. I can see something moving. They reached the end of the passageway and saw before them a brilliant brilliantly lit chamber its ceiling arching high above them and it was full of small jewel bright birds fluttering and tumbling all around the room on the opposite side of the chamber was a heavy wooden door do you think they'll attack us if we cross the room said ron probably said harry (laughs) they don't look very vicious but i suppose if they all swooped down at once well there's no other choice i'll run 
He took a deep breath. (laughs) (laughs) He took a deep breath, covered his face with his arms and sprinted across the room. He expected to feel sharp beaks and claws tearing at him any second, but nothing happened. He reached the door untouched. He pulled the handle, but it was locked. The other two followed him. They tugged and heaved at the door, but it wouldn't budge. Not even when Hermione tried her Alohomora charm. Oh, shoot. <sighs> I was hoping. That's what your move would have been in D&D. Yeah. <laughs> like, my wizard tries the charm. <laughs> now what, said Ron? So has any of the visuals coming back to you from the movie yet? I, not so far. Cool. Like, I don't, I don't recall. Were there birds in the movie? Like, We'll just wait. He said, Ron says, now what? These birds, they can't be here just for decoration, said Hermione. They watched the birds soaring overhead, glittering, glittering. They're not birds, Harry said suddenly. They're keys, winged keys. Look carefully. So that must mean, he looked around the chamber while the other two squinted up at the flock of keys. Yes, look, broomstick. We've we've got to catch the key to the door. But there are hundreds of them, Ron examined the lock on the door. We're looking for a big, old-fashioned one. Probably silver like the handle. They each seized a broomstick and kicked off into the air, soaring into the midst of, of the cloud of keys. They grabbed and snatched, but the bewitched keys darted and dived so quickly it was almost impossible to catch one. Not for nothing, though, was Harry the youngest seeker in a century. He had a knack for spotting things other people didn't. After a minute's weaving about through the whirl of rainbow feathers, he noticed a large silver key that had a bent wing, as if it had already been caught and stuffed roughly into the keyhole. That one, he called the others. The big one, there. No, there, with the bright blue wings. The feathers are all crumpled on one side. Ron went speeding into the direction that Harry was pointing, crashed into the ceiling, and nearly fell off his broom. (laughs) We've got to close in on it, Harry called, not taking his eyes off the key with a damaged wing. Ron, you come at it from above, Hermione stay below, and stop it from going down, and I'll try and catch it. Right? Now! Ron dived. Hermione rocketed upward. The key dodged them both, and Harry streaked after it. It sped towards the wall. Harry leaned forward and with a nasty crunching noise, pinned it against the stone with one hand. Ron and Hermione's cheers echoed through the high chamber. They landed quickly and Harry ran to the door, the key struggling in his hand. He rammed it into the lock and turned. It worked. The moment the lock had clicked open, the key took flight again, looking very battered now that it had been caught twice. Ready? Harry asked the other two, his hand on the door handle. They nodded. He pulled the door open. The next chamber was so dark they couldn't see anything at all. But as they stepped into it, Light suddenly flooded the room to reveal an astonishing sight. They were standing on the edge of a huge chessboard behind the black chessmen, which were all taller than they were and carved from what looked like black stone. Uh, hmm. I remember this scene. I know. Me. This is unforgettable. So this is like, I thought you'd remember. Yeah. Facing feel, them. Just so, real quick. Like, yeah. I think it's because I felt like this was like the first time. I mean, I don't remember much of the movie but like they were in danger during this scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like they were like bashing into each other and stuff. And yeah. uh, they'll continue. <laughs> so facing them from way across the chamber were the white pieces. Harry, Ron and Hermione shivered slightly. The towering white chessmen had no faces. Ugh. Now what do we do? Harry whispered. It's obvious, isn't it? Said Ron. We've got to play our way across the room. Behind the white pieces, they could see another door. How? Said Hermione nervously. I, I think, said Ron. We're going to have to be chessmen. He walked up to a black knight and put his hand out to touch the knight's horse. At once, the stone sprang to life. The horse pawed on the ground and the knight turned his helmeted head to look at Ron. Uh, do we uh, have to join you to get across? The black knight nodded. Ron turned to the other two. 
This needs thinking about, he said. I suppose we've got to take the place of three of the black pieces. Harry and Hermione stayed quiet, watching Ron think. Finally, he said, now, don't be offended or anything, but neither of you are that good at chess. <laughs> We're not offended, said Harry quickly. Just tell us what to do. Well, Harry, you got to take the place of that bishop. And Hermione, you go there instead of that castle. What about you? I'm going to be a knight, said Ron. <laughs> There's another line that I remember from the movie. <laughs> I don't, but I feel like it's something Ron would do. Like looks, you know, like looks up into the ceiling kind of. I'm yeah. The chessmen seem to have been listening because at the words of a knight, bishop, and castle, at those words, a knight, a bishop, and a castle turned their backs on the white pieces that walked off and walked off the board, leaving three empty squares that Harry, Ron, and Hermione took. White always plays first in chess, said Ron, peering across the board. Yes, look. A white pawn had moved forward two spaces. I love this scene. Ron started to direct the black pieces. They moved silently wherever he sent them. Harry's knees were trembling. What if they lost? Harry moved diagonally four squares to the right. Their first real shot came when the other knight was taken. The white queen smashed him to the floor and dragged him off the board where he lay quite still face down. Had to let that happen, said Ron, looking shaken. Leaves you free to take that bishop, Hermione. Go on. Every time one of their men was lost, the white pieces showed no mercy. Soon there was a huddle of limp black players slumped against the wall. Twice, Ron only just noticed in time that Harry and Hermione were in danger. He himself darted around the board, taking as many white pieces as they had lost black ones. We're nearly there, he muttered suddenly. Let me think, let me think. The white queen turned her blank face toward him. Yes, said Ron softly. It's the only way. I've got to be taken. No, Harry and Hermione shouted. That's chess, snapped Ron. You've got to make some <laughs> sacrifices. I'll make my move and she'll take me and that leaves you free to checkmate the king, Harry. But do you want to stop Snape or not? Ron, look, if you don't hurry up, he may, he may already have the stone. There was no alternative. Ready, Ron called, his face pale but determined. Here I go now. Don't hang around once you've won. He stepped forward. The white queen pounced. She struck Ron hard across the head with her stone arm and he crashed to the floor. Hermione screamed but stayed in her square. The white queen dragged Ron to one side and he looked as if he'd been knocked out. Shaking, Harry moved three spots to the left. The white king took off his crown and threw it at Harry's feet. They had won. The chessmen parted and bowed, leaving the door ahead clear. With one last desperate look back at Ron, Harry and Hermione charged through the door and up the next passageway. What if he's, he'll be all right, said Harry, trying to convince himself. What do you reckon's next? We've had Sprouts, that was the devil's snare. Flitwick must have put charms on the keys. McGonagall transfigured the chessmen to make them alive. That leaves Quirrell's spell and Snape's. They had reached another door. All right, Harry whispered, go on. Harry pushed it open. A disgusting smell filled their nostrils, making both of them pull up their robes over their noses. Eyes watering, they saw, flat on the floor in front of them, a troll, even larger than the one they had tackled, out cold with a bloody lump on his head. Well, I'm glad we didn't have to fight that one, Harry whispered as they moved carefully (laughs) over the massive legs. Come on, I can't breathe. He pulled open the next door, both of them hardly daring to look at what came next, but there was nothing very frightening in here just a table with seven differently shaped bottles standing on it in a line. Snapes, said Harry. What do we have to do? They stepped over the threshold and immediately a fire sprang up beneath, behind them in the doorway. It wasn't ordinary fire either. It was purple. At the same instant, black flames shot up in the doorway leading onward. They were trapped. 
Look, Hermione seized a roll of paper lying next to the bottles. Harry looked over her shoulder to read it. Danger lies before you while safety lies behind. This is now a riddle. Two of us will help you, whichever you would find. One among us seven will let you move ahead. Another will transport the drinker back instead. Two among our number hold only nettle wine. Three of us are killers waiting hidden in line. Choose unless you wish to stay here forevermore. To help you in your choice, we give you these clues for. Okay, so there's seven bottles. You, you following? Yep. Yep. <laughs> this is like a computer science interview. Yeah, it kind of <laughs> There was a really cool escape room we did that had that had seven bottles and they had you had to like use the clues to solve. Oh, did you know like it this. immediately? I was like, it's <laughs> the thing from the th- yeah. The it's thing, the thing. thing. <laughs> it was a different riddle, but it was like the same idea, which was fun. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, first, however slyly the poison tries to hide, you will always find some net- nettle wine. You will always find some on nettle wine's left side. There we go. So the poison's on nettle wine's left side. Second, different are those who stand at either end. But if you would move onward, neither is your friend. Third, as you see clearly, all are different size. Neither dwarf nor giant holds death in their insides. Fourth, the second left and the second on the right are twins once you taste them, though different at first sight. Hermione let out a great sigh and Harry, amazed, saw that she was smiling. And the very last thing he felt, which was the very last thing he felt like doing, Brilliant, said Hermione. This isn't magic. It's logic, a puzzle. A lot of the greatest wizards haven't got an ounce of logic. They'd be stuck in here forever. (laughs) But so will we, won't we? (laughs) Of course not, said Hermione. Everything we need is right here on this paper. Seven bottles, three are poison, two are wine. One will get us safely through the black fire and one will get us back through the purple. But how do we know which one to drink? Give me a minute. (laughs) Hermione read the paper several times. Then she walked up and down the line of bottles, muttering to herself and pointing at them. At last, she clapped her hands. Got it, she said. Smallest bottle will get us through the black fire towards the stone. Harry looked at the tiny bottle. There's only enough there for one of us, he said. That's hardly one swallow. They looked at each other. Which one will get you back through the purple flames? Hermione pointed at a round bottle at the right end of the line. You drink that, said Harry. No, listen, get back and get Ron. Grab brooms from the flying key room and they'll get you out the trap door and pass Fluffy. Go straight to the Owlery and send Hedwig to Dumbledore. We need him. I might be able to hold off Snape for a while, but I'm no match for him, really. True that, Harry. <laughs> but Harry, but Harry, what if you know what if you know who is with him? Well, uh, I was lucky once, wasn't I? said Harry, pointing at his scar. I might get lucky again. Hermione's lip trembled and she suddenly dashed at Harry and threw her arms around him. Hermione, Harry, you're a great wizard, you know. I'm not as good as you, said Harry, very embarrassed as she let go of him. (laughs) Me, said Hermione, books and cleverness. There are more important things, friendship and bravery. And oh, Harry, be careful. You drink first, said Harry. You are sure which is which, aren't you? Positive, said Hermione. She took a long drink from the round bottle at the end and, and shuddered. It's not poison, said Harry anxiously. No, but it's like ice. Quick, go before it wears off. Good luck. Take care. Go. Hermione turned and walked straight through the purple fire. Harry took a deep breath and picked up the smallest bottle. He turned to face the black flames. Here I come, he said, and drained the little bottle in one gulp. It was indeed as though ice was flooding his body. He put the bottle down and walked forward. He braced himself, saw the black flames licking his body, but couldn't feel them. 
For a moment, he could see nothing but dark fire. Then he was on the other side, in the last chamber. There was already someone there, but it wasn't Snape. It wasn't even Voldemort. Bum, bum, bum. And that's the end of this chapter. Oh, man. Who is it, Dave? I have no idea. (laughs) Oh, it's probably Nicholas Flamel. Hmm. Well, maybe probably is a strong word, <laughs> but he's the only other like. Wait, so it's not Voldemort and it's not Snape. Maybe it's Dumbledore. Oh, shall we continue? Yeah, let's go for it. Let's go. Yeah, let's Woo. go. <laughs> All right. I love this. So David has no idea who's there. Nope. I mean, I well, I had two ideas. Well, I'm about to reveal it. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Chapter 17. The man with two faces. Oh shit. It's it's quarrel. It was quarrel, period. Oh you, my god. Gas that's Perry. What the, <laughs> that's what the that's what his turban's all about. Oh my god. Okay. Buckle up. Okay. That's ah! wait, go, go. Fe- okay. Unload. Like, I fine. had a feeling. Because, like, man, I guess he's probably the hooded figure guy, too, in the forest. Mm. But maybe the hood was on, like, backwards or something. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, a different, like, evil face or something on the other side. Because when it was, like, the it was, like, one of the first scenes in, like, um, scenes uh, when they were, like, having dinner or whatever. And Snape, like, looked at Harry but mm-hmm. it was like Coral was facing the other way, but his turban was there. I was uh, like, something's going on. And they kept mentioning the turban. Yeah. And I was I like, that's can't, gotta have some kind of made a point to read you those parts. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Okay. So he's got well, another some... face. Does he? Mm-hmm. You ready? It says the man with two faces, right? I mean, it's a fair assumption, but. Oh. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. It was Quirrell. You, gasped Harry. Quirrell smiled. His face wasn't twitching at all. Me, he said calmly. I wondered whether I'd be meeting you here, Potter. But I, but I thought Snape. Severus? <laughs> Quirrell laughed, and it wasn't his usual quivering treble either, but cold and sharp. Yes, Severus does seem the type, doesn't he? So useful to have him swooping around like an overgrown bat. Next to him, who would suspect poor stuttering professor Quirrell? Harry couldn't take it in. This couldn't be true. It couldn't. But Snape tried to kill me. No, no, no. I tried to kill you. Your friend Miss Granger accidentally knocked me over as she rushed to set fire to Snape at that Quidditch match. Oh. She broke my eye contact with you. <laughs> After a few seconds, another few seconds that I'd have got you off your broom. I'd have managed it before then if Snape hadn't been muttering a counter curse trying to save you. Okay. Snape was trying to save me? Of course, said Quirrell coolly. Why do you think he wanted to referee your next match? He was trying to make sure I didn't do it again. Funny, really, he needed to bother it. I couldn't do anything with Dumbledore watching. All the other teachers thought Snape was trying to stop Gryffindor from winning. He did make himself unpopular. And what a waste of time when after all that, I'm going to kill you tonight. Quirrell snapped his fingers, robes sprang out of the thin air, and wrapped themselves tightly around Harry. You're too nosy to live, Potter. 
scurrying around the school on Halloween like that. For all I knew, you'd seen me coming to look at where, at what was guarding the stone. You let the troll in? Certainly. I have a special gift with trolls. You must have seen what I did to the one in the chamber back there. Unfortunately, while everyone else was running around looking for it, Snape, who already suspected me, went straight to the third floor to head me off. Not only did my troll fail to beat you to death, but the three-headed dog didn't even do didn't even manage to bite Snape's leg off properly. Now, wait quietly, Potter. I need to examine this interesting mirror. It was only then that Harry realized what was standing behind Quirrell. It was the mirror of Erised. No, why? <laughs> I love your reaction so much. This mirror is the key to finding the stone, Quirrell murmured, tapping around the frame. Trust Dumbledore to come up with something like this, but he's back in London. I'll be far away by the time he gets back. All Harry could think about was, of, all Harry could think of doing was to keep Quirrell talking and stop him from concentrating on the mirror. Uh, I saw you and Snape in the forest, he blurted out. Yes, Quirrell said idly, walking around the mirror to look at the back. He was on to me by that time, trying to figure out how far I'd got. He suspected me all along, tried to frighten me as though he could when I had Lord Voldemort on my side. Quirrell came back out from behind the mirror and stared hungrily into it. I see the stone. I'm presenting it to my master. But where is it? Harry struggled against the ropes binding him, but they didn't give. He had to keep Quirrell from giving his whole attention to the mirror. But Snape always seemed to hate me so much. Oh, oh, he does, said Quirrell casually. Heavens, yes. He was at Hogwarts with your father, didn't you know? They loathed each other, but he never wanted you dead. But I heard you a few days ago sobbing. I thought Snape was threatening you. For the first time, a spasm of fear flitted across Quirrell's face. Sometimes, he said, I find it hard to follow my master's instructions. He is a great wizard and I am weak. You mean he was in the classroom with you? Harry gasped. He's with me wherever I go, said Quirrell quietly. I met him when I was traveling around the world. A foolish young man I was then, full of ridiculous ideas about good and evil. Lord Voldemort showed me how wrong I was. There is no good and evil. There is only power, and those too weak to seek it. Since then, I have served him faithfully, although I have let him down many times. He has had to be very hard on me. Quirrell shivered suddenly. He does not forgive mistakes easily. When I failed to steal the stone from Gringotts, he was most displeased. He punished me, decided he would have to keep a closer watch on me. Quirrell's voice trailed away. Harry was remembering his trip to Diagon Alley. How could he have been so stupid? He'd seen Quirrell there at that very day, shaking hands with him in the leaky cauldron. Quirrell mm-hmm. cursed under his breath. I don't understand it. Is the stone inside the mirror? Should I break it? Harry's mind was racing. What I want more than anything else in the world at the moment, he thought, is to find the stone before Quirrell does. So if I look in the mirror, I should see myself finding it, which means I'll see where it's hidden. But how can I look without Quirrell realizing what I'm up to? He tried to edge to the left to get in front of the glass without Quirrell noticing, but the robes around his ankles were too tight. He tripped and fell over. Quirrell ignored him. He was still talking to himself. What does this mirror do? How does it work? Help me, master. And to Harry's horror, a voice answered, and the voice seemed to come from Quirrell himself. Use the boy. Use the boy. Quirrell rounded on Harry. Yes, Potter, come here. He clapped his hands at once and the ropes binding Harry fell off. Harry got slowly to his feet. Come here, Quirrell repeated. Look in the mirror and tell me what you see. Harry walked toward him. I must lie, he thought desperately. 
I must look and lie about what I see, that's all. Harry moved close behind him, or Coral moved close behind him. Harry breathed in that funny smell that seemed to come from Coral's turban. He closed his eyes, stepped in front of the mirror, and opened them again. He saw his reflection, pale and scared looking at first, but a moment later, the reflection smiled at him. It put its hand into its pocket and pulled out a blood red stone. It winked and put the stone back in its pocket. And as it did so, Harry felt something heavy drop into his real pocket. What? Somehow, incredibly, he'd gotten the stone. Well, said Quirrell impatiently, what do you see? Harry screwed up his courage. I, I see myself shaking hands with Dumbledore, he invented. I, I've won the house cup for Gryffindor. Quirrell cursed again. <laughs> Get out of the way, he said. As Harry moved aside, he felt the sorcerer's stone against his leg. Dare he make a break for it? But he hadn't walked five paces before a high voice spoke, though Quirrell wasn't moving his lips. He lies. He lies. Okay. Potter, come back here, Quirrell shouted. Tell me the truth. What did you just see? The high voice spoke again. Let me speak to him face to face. Master, you're not strong enough. I have strength enough for this. Harry felt as if Devil's Snare was rooting him to the spot. He couldn't move a muscle. Petrified, he watched as Quirrell reached up and began to unwrap his turban. What, What was going on? The turban fell away. Quirrell's head looked strangely small without it, and then he turned slowly on the spot. Harry would have screamed, but he couldn't make a sound. Where there should have been a back to Quirrell's head, there was a face, the most terrible face Harry had ever seen. It was chalk white with glaring red eyes and slits for nostrils like a snake. Oh, my God. (sighs) Like a snake? Like a snake. Like like the the imagery from chapter one or two or something like when he went to the zoo and he saw the snake. Mm, when he went to I the zoo and was, saw the snake. I wonder if that was this guy. Is it so? Hang on. Well, no. Keep reading. Is he the Brazilian <laughs> snake? Harry Potter. It whispered. Harry tried to take a step backward, but his legs wouldn't move. See what I have become. The face said, "Mere shadow and vapor." I have form only when I can share another's body, but there have always been those willing to let me into their hearts and minds. Unicorn blood has strengthened me these past few weeks. You saw faithful quarrel drinking it for me in the forest. And once I have the elixir of life, I will be able to create a body of my own. Now, why don't you give me that stone in your pocket? So he knew. The feeling suddenly surged back into Harry's legs. He stumbled backward. Don't be a fool, snarled the face. Better save your own life and join me, or you'll meet the same end as your parents. They died begging me for mercy. Liar, Harry shouted suddenly. Coral was walking backward at him so that Voldemort could still see him. The evil face was now smiling. So this for for sure is Voldemort. Like like his... his, um physical form but in the back of coral's head yeah he said it's he can only share a body so he's he's like sharing coral right now harry should kill him right now i know that evil face was now smiling how touching it hissed i always value bravery yes boy your parents were brave i killed your father first and he put up a courageous fight but your mother needn't have died She was trying to protect you. Now give me the stone unless you want her to have died in vain. 
never. Harry sprang toward the flame door, but Harry screamed, seize him. And the next second, Harry felt Quirrell's hand close in on his wrist. At once, a needle-sharp pain seared across Harry's scar. His head felt as though someone was about to split it in two. He yelled, struggling with all his might. And to his surprise, Quirrell let go of him. The pain in his head lessened. He looked around wildly to see where Quirrell had gone and saw him hunched in pain, looking at his fingers. They were blistering before his eyes. Oh, what? He's like kryptonite. (laughs) Seize him, seize him, shrieked Voldemort again. And Quirrell lunged, knocking Harry clean off his feet, landing on top of him landing on top of him both hands around harry's neck and harry's scar was only almost blinding him with pain yet he could see quarrel howling in agony master i cannot hold him my hands my hands and quarrel though pinning harry to the ground with his knees let go of his neck and stared bewildered at his own palms harry could see that they looked burned raw red and shiny then kill him fool and be done screeched voldemort quarrel raised his hand to perform a deadly curse but Harry, by instinct, reached up and grabbed Quirrell's face. Oh! <laughs> Quirrell rolled off him, his face blistering too, and then Harry knew. Quirrell couldn't touch his bare skin, not without suffering terrible pain. His only chance was to keep hold of Quirrell, keep him in enough pain to stop him from doing a curse. Harry jumped to his feet, caught, caught Quirrell by the arm, and hung on as tight as he could. Quirrell screamed and tried to throw Harry off. The pain in Harry's own head was building he couldn't see he could only hear Quirrell's terrible shrieks and Voldemort's yells of kill him kill him and other voices maybe maybe in Harry's own head crying Harry Harry he felt Quirrell's arm wrenched from his grasp knew all was lost and fell into blackness down 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 something gold was glinting just above him the snitch he tried to catch it but his arms were too heavy he blinked it wasn't the snitch at all It was a pair of glasses. How strange. He blinked again. The smiling face of Albus Dumbledore swam into view above him. Good afternoon, Harry, said Dumbledore. Harry stared at him, and then he remembered. Sir, sir, the stone. It was Quirrell. He's got the stone. Sir, quick. Calm yourself, dear boy. You're a little behind the times, said Dumbledore. Quirrell does not have the stone. Then who does? Sir, I, Harry, please relax, or Madame Pomfrey will have me thrown out. (laughs) harry swallowed and looked around at him he realized he must be in the hospital wing he was lying in a bed with white linen sheets and next to him was a table piled high with what looked like half the candy shop tokens from your friends and admirers said dumbledore beaming what happened down in the dungeons between you and professor quirrell is a complete secret so naturally the whole school knows (laughs) I believe your friends, Mr. Fred and George Weasley, were responsible for trying to send you a toilet seat. No doubt they thought it would amuse you. Madame Pomfrey, however, felt it might not be very hygienic and confiscated it. (laughs) How long have I been in here? Three days. Mr. Ronald Weasley and Miss Granger will be most relieved that you've come around. They have been extremely worried. But, sir, the stone. I see you are not to be distracted very well, the stone. Professor Quirrell did not manage to take it from you. I arrived in time to prevent that, although you were doing very well on your own, I must say. You got there? You got Hermione's owl? We must have crossed in midair. No sooner had I reached London than it became clear to me that the place I should be was the one I had just left. I arrived just in time to pull Quirrell off you. It was you. 
I feared I might be too late. You nearly were. I couldn't have kept him off the stone much longer. Not the stone, boy. The effort involved nearly killed you. For one terrible moment there, I was afraid it had. As for the stone, it has been destroyed. Destroyed, Harry said blankly. But your friend, Nicholas Flamel. Oh, you know about Nicholas? Said Dumbledore, sounding quite delighted. You did do the thing properly, didn't you? Well, Nicholas and I have had a little chat and agreed it's all for the best. But that means he and his wife will die, won't they? They have had enough elixir stored to set their affairs in order. And then, yes, they will die. Dumbledore smiled at the look of amazement on Harry's face. To one as young as you, I'm sure it seems incredible. But to Nicholas and Perennial, it really is like going to bed after a very, very long day. After all, to the well-organized mind, death is but the next great adventure. You know, the stone was really not such a wonderful thing. As much money in life as you could want, the two things most human beings would choose above all, the trouble is humans do have a knack of choosing precisely those things that are worst for them. Harry lay there lost for words. Dumbledore hummed a little and smiled at the ceiling. Sir, said Harry, I've been thinking. Sir, even if the stone's gone, full, I mean, you know who, call him Voldemort, Harry. Always use the proper name for things. Fear of a name increases fear of the thing itself. Yes, well, well, Voldemort's going to try other ways of coming back, isn't he? I mean, he hasn't gone, has he? No, Harry, he has not. He is still out there somewhere, perhaps looking for another body to share, not being truly alive. He cannot be killed. He left Quirrell to die. He shows just as little mercy to his followers as his enemies. Nevertheless, Harry, while you may only have delayed his return to power, it will merely take someone else who is prepared to fight what seems like a losing battle next time. And if he is delayed again and again, why, he may never return to power. Harry nodded, but stopped quickly because it made his head hurt. Then he said, sir, sir, there are some other things I'd like to know if you can tell me, things I want to know the truth about. <sighs> the truth, Dumbledore sighed. It is a beautiful and terrible thing and there sh should therefore be treated with great caution. However, I shall answer your questions unless I have a very good reason not to, in which case I beg you'll forgive me. I shall not, of course, lie. Well, Voldemort said that he only killed my mother because she tried to stop him from killing me. But why would he want to kill me in the first place? Dumbledore sighed very deeply this time. Alas, the first thing you ask of me, I cannot tell you. Not today, not now. You will know one day. Put it from your mind for now, Harry. When you are older, I know you will hate to hear this. When you are ready, you will know. And Harry knew it would be no good to argue. But why couldn't Quirrell touch me? Your mother died to save you. And if there's one thing Voldemort cannot understand, it is love. He didn't realize that love as powerful as your mother's for you leaves its own mark. Not a scar, no visible sign. To have been loved so deeply, even though the person who loved us is gone, will forever give us some protection. It is in your very skin. Quirrell, full of hatred, greed, and ambition, sharing his soul with Voldemort, could not touch you for this reason. It was agony to touch a person marked by something so good. Dumbledore now became very interested in a bird out on the windowsill, which gave Harriet time to dry his eyes on the sheet. When he found his voice again, Harry said, and the invisibility cloak, do you know who sent it to me? Ah, your father happened to leave it in my possession, and I thought you might like it. Yeah. 
Dumbledore's eyes twinkled. Useful things. Your father used it mainly for sneaking off to the kitchens to steal food when he was here. <laughs> and, and there's something else. Fire away. Quirrell and Snape. Professor Snape, Harry. Yes, him. Quirrell said he hates me because he hated my father. Is that true? Well, they did rather detest each other, not unlike yourself and Mr. Malfoy. And then your father did something Snape could never forgive. What? He saved his life. What? Yes, said Dumbledore dreamily. Funny the way people's minds work, isn't it? Professor Snape couldn't bear being in your father's debt. I do believe he worked so hard to protect you this year because he felt that would make him and your father even. Then he could go back to hating your father's memory in peace. Harry tried to understand this, but it made his head pound, so he stopped. And sir, there's one more thing. Just the one. How did I get out of, how did I get the stone out of the mirror? Ah, now, I'm glad you asked me that. It was one of my more brilliant ideas, and between you and me, that's saying something. <laughs> <laughs> you see, only one who wanted to find the stone, find it, but not use it, would be able to get it. Otherwise, they just see themselves making gold or drinking elixir of life. My brain surprises even me sometimes. Now, enough questions. I suggest you make a start on these sweets. Ah, Bertie Bot's Every Flavored Beans. I was unfortunate enough in my youth to come across a vomit-flavored one, and since then, I'm afraid I've rather lost my liking for them. But I think I'll be safe with a nice toffee, don't you? He smiled and popped the golden brown bean into his mouth. <laughs> then he choked and said, oh, alas, earwax. <laughs> Madame Pomfrey, the nurse, was a very nice woman, but very strict. Just five minutes, Harry pleaded, absolutely not. You let Professor Dumbledore in? Well, of course, that was the headmaster. Quite different. You need rest. I am resting. Look, lying down and everything. Oh, go on, Madame Pomfrey. Oh, very well, she said, but five minutes only. And she let Ron and Hermione in. Harry! <laughs> Hermione looked ready to fling her arms around him again, but Harry was glad she held herself in as his head was still very sore. Oh, Harry, we were so sure you were going to... Tumbledore was so worried. The whole school's talking about it, said Ron. What really happened? It was one of those rare occasions when the true story is even more strange and exciting than the wild rumors. Harry told them everything. Quirrell, the mirror, the stone, and Voldemort. Ron and Hermione were a very good audience. They gasped in all the right places. And then when Harry told them what was under Quirrell's turban, Hermione screamed out loud. <laughs> so the stone's gone, said Ron finally. Flamel's just going to die? That's what I said. But Dumbledore thinks that, what is it? To, to the well-organized mind, death is but the next great adventure. I always said he was off his rocker, said Ron, looking quite impressed at how crazy his hero was. So what happened to you two, said Harry? Well, I got back all right, said Hermione. I brought Ron round. That, that took a while. And we were dashing up to the Owlry to contact Dumbledore and we just met him in the entrance hall. He, he already knew. He just said, Harry's gone after him, hasn't he? And he hurtled off to the third floor. Do you think he meant you to do it, said Ron, sending your you your father's cloak and everything? Well, Hermione exploded. If he did, I mean to say that that's terrible. You could have been killed. No, it isn't, Harry said Harry thoughtfully. He's a funny man, Dumbledore. I think he sort of wanted to give me a chance. I think he knows more or less everything that goes on here, you know. I reckon he had a pretty good idea of, that we were going to try. Instead of stopping us, he just taught us enough to help. I don't think it was an accident he let me find out how the mirror worked. 
It's almost like he thought I had the right to face Voldemort if I could. Yeah, Dumbledore is off his rocker, all right, said Ron proudly. Listen, you've got to be up for the end of your feast tomorrow. The points are all in and Slytherin won, of course. You missed the last Quidditch match and we were steamrolled by Ravenclaw without you. <laughs> but the food will be good. At that moment, Madame Pomfrey bustled over. You've had nearly 15 minutes. Now out, she said firmly. After a good night's sleep, Harry felt nearly back to normal. I want to go to the feast, he told Madame Pomfrey as she straightened his many candy boxes. I can, can't I? Professor Dumbledore says you are allowed to go, she said sniffly, as though in her own opinion, Professor Dumbledore didn't realize how risky feasts could be. <laughs> and you have another visitor. Oh, good, said Harry. Who is it? Hagrid sidled in through the door as he smiled. Yeah. <laughs> as usual, <laughs> when he was indoors, Hagrid looked too big to be allowed. He sat next to Harry, took one look at him, and burst into tears. Oh. <laughs> it's all my ruddy fault, he sobbed, his face <laughs> in his hands. I told the evil git how to get past Fluffy. I told him. It was the only thing he didn't know, and I told him. You could have died all for a dragon egg. I'll never drink again. <laughs> Haggard's all of us. Yeah, I should have yeah, been chucked yeah. out <laughs> and made to live as a muggle. Hagrid, said Harry, shocked to see Hagrid shaking with grief and remorse, great tears leaking down into his beard. Hagrid, he'd have found out somehow. This is Voldemort we're talking about. And he'd have found out even if you hadn't told him. So the idea that he told Voldemort is a funny thing. <laughs> like, he, you played poker with Voldemort. <laughs> you could have died in loss, <laughs> sobbed Hagrid. No, I think he won because he won the dragon egg. So that's uh, funny. Well, at least yeah, he's got I that, he you know. Yeah. Uh, you could have died, sobbed Hagrid. And don't say the name. <laughs> Voldemort, Harry bellowed. And Hagrid was so shocked he stopped crying. I've met him and I'm calling him by his name. Please cheer up, Hagrid. We've saved the stone. It's gone and he can't use it. Have a chocolate frog. I got loads. <laughs> Hagrid wiped his nose on the back of his hand and said, that reminds me, I've got you a present. It's not a stout sandwich, is it? Said Harry anxiously. And at last, Hagrid gave him a weak, ch a weak chuckle. Nah, Dumbledore gave me the off yesterday to fix it. Of course, he should have sacked me instead. Anyway, got you this. It seemed to be a handsome, leather-bound, leather-covered book. Harry opened it curiously. It was full of wizard photographs. Smiling and waving at him from every page were his mother and father. Oh, Sent all owls off to all your parents' old school friends asking for photos. Knew you didn't have any. Did you like it? And Harry couldn't speak, but Hagrid understood. Aww. Harry made his way down to the end of your feast alone that night. He had been held up by Madame Pomfrey's fussing about, insisting on giving him one last checkup. So the great hall was already full. It was decked out in the Slytherin colors of green and silver to celebrate Slytherin's winning the house cup for the seventh year in a row. A huge banner showing the Slytherin serpent covered the wall behind the high table. When Harry walked in, there was a sudden hush, and then everybody started talking loudly at once. He slipped into a seat between Ron and Hermione at the Gryffindor table and tried to ignore the fact that people were standing up to look at him. <sighs> Kids, you know, they just, <laughs> they're fans and they're enemies and they're fans. Again. Fortunately, Dumbledore arrived moments later and the babble died away. Another year gone, Dumbledore said cheerfully. And I must trouble you with an old man's wheezing waffle before we sink our teeth into a delicious feast. What a year it has been. Hopefully your heads are all a little fuller than they were. 
you have the whole summer ahead to get them nice and empty before next year starts. <laughs> now, as I understand it, the house cup here needs a warning. And the points stand thus. In fourth place, Gryffindor with 312 points. In third, Hufflepuff with 352. Ravenclaw has 426. And Slytherin, 472. A storm of cheering and stamping broke out from the Slytherin table, and Harry could see Draco Malfoy begging his goblet onto the table. It was a sickening sight. Yes, yes, well done, Slytherin, said Dumbledore. However, recent events must be taken into account. The room went very still. Slytherin's smiles faded a little. Ahem, said Dumbledore. I have a few last-minute points to dish out. Let me see. Yes. First, to Mr. Ronald Weasley. Ron went purple in the face. He looked like a radish with a bad sunburn. <laughs> For the best-played game of chess Hogwarts has seen in many years, I award Gryffindor House 50 points. Gryffindor's oh. cheer nearly, cheers nearly raised the bewitched ceiling. The stars overhead seemed to quiver. Percy could be heard telling the other prefects, my brother, you know, my youngest brother got past McGonagall's giant chess set. At last, there was silence again. Second to Miss Hermione Granger for the use of cool logic in the face of fire. I award Gryffindor House 50 points. Hermione buried her face in her arms. Harry strongly suspected she had burst into tears. Gryffindors up and down the table were beside themselves. They were 100 points up. Third. To Mr. Harry Potter, said Dumbledore. The room went deadly quiet. For pure nerve and outstanding courage, I award Gryffindor House 60 points. Oh my God. The din was deafening. Those who could add, <laughs> those who could add up while yelling themselves hoarse knew the Gryffindor team now had 472 points, exactly the same as Slytherin. They had tied for the House Cup. If only Dumbledore had given oh, Harry just one more point. <laughs> Dumbledore raised his hand and the room gradually fell silent. There are all kinds of courage, said Dumbledore, smiling. It takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies, but just as much to stand up to our friends. I therefore award 10 points to Mr. Neville Longbottom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so stoked about <laughs> Let's go, Neville. Let's go, Neville. <laughs> uh, someone standing outside the Great Hall might well have thought some sort of explosion had just taken place. So loud was the noise that erupted from the Gryffindor table. Harry, oh, Ron, goodness. and Hermione stood up to yell and cheer as Neville, white with shock, disappeared under a pile of people hugging him. <laughs> he had never won so much as a point for Gryffindor before. Harry, still cheering, nudged Ron in the ribs and pointed at Malfoy who could have just who couldn't have looked oh man more stunned and horrified if he'd just had the body bind curse put on him which means Dumbledore called out over the storm of applause for even Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff were celebrating the downfall of Slytherin (laughs) a little change of decoration he clapped his hands in an instant, the green hangings became scarlet and silver became gold. The huge Slytherin serpent vanished and a towering Gryffindor lion took its place. Snape was shaking Professor McGonagall's hand with a horrible forced smile. He caught Harry's eye and Harry knew at once that Snape's feelings toward him hadn't changed one jot. This didn't worry uh-huh. Harry. It seemed as though life would be back to normal next year or as normal as it was ever at Hogwarts. It was the best evening of Harry's life better than winning at Quidditch or Christmas or knocking out mountain trolls. 
He would never, ever forget tonight. Harry had almost forgotten that the exam results had st- were still to come, but come Uh-oh. they did. <laughs> <laughs> to their great surprise, both he and Ron passed with good marks. Hermione, of course, had the best grade of all the first years. Even Neville scraped through his good herbology mark, making up for his abysmal potions one. They had hoped that Goyle, who was almost as stupid as he was mean, might be thrown out, but he had passed too. It was a shame, but as Ron said, you couldn't have everything in life. (laughs) And suddenly their wardrobes were empty. Their trunks were packed. Neville's toad was found lurking in a corner of the toilets. Notes were handed out to all the students, warning them not to use magic over the holidays. I always hope they'll forget to give us these, said Fred Weasley sadly. (laughs) Haggard was there to take them down to the fleet of boats that sailed across the lake. They were boarding the Hogwarts Express, talking and laughing as the countryside became greener and tidier, eating birdie bots, every flavor beans as they sped past muggle towns, pulling off their wizard robes and putting on jackets and coats, pulling into platform nine and three quarters at King's Cross Station. It took quite a while for them to all get off the platform. A wizened old guard was up by the ticket barrier, letting them go through the gate in twos and threes so they didn't attract attention by all bursting out of the solid wall at once and alarming the muggles. You must come and stay this summer, said Ron. Both of you, I'll send an owl. Thanks, said Harry. I'll need something to look forward to. People jostled them as they moved forward toward the gateway back to the muggle world. Some of them called, bye, Harry. See you, Harry. (laughs) See you, Potter. Still famous, said Ron, grinning at him. Not where I'm going, I promise you, said Harry. He, Ron, and Hermione passed through the gateway together. There he is, Mom. There he is. Look, it was Ginny Weasley, Ron's younger sister, but she wasn't pointing at Ron. Harry Potter's just screaming. <laughs> Look, Mom, I can see. Be quiet, Jenny. It's rude. Number to one fan. Number one fan. <laughs> Mrs. Weasley smiled down at them. Busy year, she said. Very, said Harry. Thanks for the fudge in the sweater, Mrs. Weasley. Oh, it was nothing, dear. Ready, are you? It was Uncle Vernon, still purple faced, still mustached, still looking furious at the nerve of Harry, carrying an owl in his cage in a station full of ordinary people. Behind him stood Aunt Petunia and Dudley, looking terrified at the very sight of Harry. You must be Harry's family, said Mrs. Weasley. Oh, no. (laughs) In a manner of speaking, said Uncle Vernon. Hurry up, boy. We haven't got all day. He walked away. Harry hung back for the last word with Ron and Hermione. See you over the summer, then. Hope you have a Good holiday, said Hermione, looking uncertainly after Uncle Vernon, shocked that anyone could be so unpleasant. Oh, I will, said Harry, and they were surprised at the grin that was spreading over his face. They don't know we're not allowed to use magic at home. I'm going to have a lot of fun with Dudley this summer. Oh, my gosh. That's where the book ends. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible. That's good. Oh, yay. Book one. Whew. Wow. What do you That's think? Awesome. <laughs> I think it's great. I think that was awesome. I, I mean, I, I guess I really didn't remember anything from book. Like, I didn't think he was going to encounter Voldemort in the first book. Like, at all. Right. Like, I thought the series, and this is just naive, you know, mm-hmm. haven't read Harry Potter before. Mm-hmm. I thought the series was going to be like a, a full build up to when he like inevitably does confront Voldemort. Right. He confronts him in the first book, like a few face times. Face to face. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, I, I mean, we'll have, we'll have to see where things go um, with, with more like evidence of certain things. Like, it's interesting that it's like he's got like a kryptonite kind of thing going on with Voldemort or maybe not Voldemort, but like evil. Right. Evil in general. Yeah, so you're, you're talking I was about like, like I was touch. on the edge of my seat. I was like, are you serious? <laughs> you're Just passively burning you're him. A like... plus reacting to that. <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot how exciting that's written. Because again, when I read it. It's a crazy scene. It's like... a crazy scene. When I read it for the first time, though, I had already seen the movie. So like, I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I know this happens because I remember okay. it from the movie. Yeah. So I was so excited when I kept being like, you really don't know like you really haven't don't remember the, how this book ends yeah and then you're like uh who do you think is who, who do you think is standing there and i was like i mean my first i think my first guess was snape or something yeah and i was like nah no you said it's not you were like so it's not snape <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um and then i was like oh it's probably Dumbledore. like i, I that's a good guess surprise me and that he did Dumbledore show up got there. there quick yeah but I had like in my head, I was like, oh, he left 10 minutes ago to go to quote unquote London. But he yeah. didn't go to London. Like he went down to, you know, to, to figure out what's going on with the stone. Well, he said so. he must have crossed, path, crossed paths with the owl in midair. So right. he did, he was convinced to go, but then he like thought of this like mid flight, I think. He was like, wait a yeah. second. Yeah. I bet I should go back. Yeah, so I thought he'd just be standing there and it'd be like, I don't know, like, oh, like test complete. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you and the and the friends managed to get down here and and solve all the riddles mm-hmm. and puzzles and magic things and like, good job. Like, on to the next. You know, I didn't think, I didn't think for a second he was going to actually encounter Voldemort. That's crazy. Yeah, well, he and he, and he does ultimately kind of think like, what what was the deal there? Like, did Dumbledore want me to? just like go through that like what was the deal yeah so that so that's good like that statement it, it toward the end there was like very clear to me why there's gonna be seven books you know okay like like it, like he i feel that harry's like a prophecy in some way and he's going to be guided through you know figuring out how to combat voldemort and ultimately eliminate him somehow mm. Um, and I say that kind of with, well, I, I, it's still, okay. So my, (laughs) my, my dark, dark wizard kind of perspective on thing is still holding true. Mm -hmm. Like, it seems like he exists in people Mm -hmm. physically and not physically. In this case, it was physical Mm -hmm. because he was in the back of Coral's head. Yes. So like going to all the classes, just going to all the dark arts classes. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I think I like like I said, I think my prediction, you know, ultimately still holds true. Mm-hmm. Um, that I feel like they gave more clues that kind of support that are like supporting evidence to my prediction as well with mm-hmm. like Harry himself hurting, mm-hmm. you know, when he's encountering Voldemort. Right. So like there's, there's something going on there. Right. It seems. And it, like I said, it's kind of a supporting claim for my hypothesis. So I'm pretty stoked about right. that. Um, yeah, I'm excited. So it seems like, and maybe you can answer this, maybe you can't. It seems like the rest of the books are going to be continuing like one-off, like 
encountering Voldemort in a different way and then in a different way and then in a different way. So, <laughs> you know, with each one probably plugging a little more evidence into like the overarching goal here. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you'll be delighted with the ways in which the story doesn't always go the way you expect you yeah. know so i think that's good um because you got me thinking about the formula of like how these books are mm-hmm. um, and oh man it's just they like just, they just keep being good they just yeah i mean these, is this again i i think the books kind of grow up with the reader right so like yeah you know this this very heavy-handed in the finale of like that was Coral who ex like remember when Hermione knocked me over and I lost eye contact and that's why I couldn't perform the spell like the curse. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the blatant explaining lessons, you know, because your readers aren't eleven anymore. Right. Um. So that's interesting, but yeah, I mean, these early books are fun, but like for me, it's like the later books. They're yeah. Fire. Yeah. That that makes so much sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah. For for being like the first book and having a, like a younger audience, like it was still good. Yeah, but I do. It does I a do good job of like the bait and switch. Like, yeah, add complexity and stuff too. Mm-hmm. And you get some interesting tidbits, you know, like you were saying of Dumbler kind of like explaining because he explains the touch thing, right? Like he's yeah. like, oh, okay, like your mom Very clearly. Yeah, in sacrificing for you basically she like marked you with this like loving energy you know and then his hateful energy couldn't bear it um so those things just clashed which is an interesting like not spell-based magic that he seems to be referring to yeah it's like aura yeah and then i had forgotten that we would see the mirror of erised again here actually (laughs) did you so i was like yeah oh that's fun (laughs) (laughs) So I was like stoked when I saw it. And then I remembered that whole passage again, but it and did I make for- me wonder mm-hmm. like what Dumbledore do- like did actually see in the mirror or does see. Yeah. 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 And it was a super clever, like, I mean, Harry was pretty quick about like, wait, I have a new ultimate desire and that's surely what I would see in the mirror. Like he seemed to like really grasp yeah. the like magic. It's like of the in mirror. this moment, I no longer, I mean, he does, but like, my number one desire is not necessarily my parents in this yeah. moment. It is not letting this happen. And so right. how, how so is he like trusts be? this magic in a cool way where he's like, he tries to yeah. scoot over, <laughs> scoot, scoot, fall. <laughs> Just yeah. like that. I like the like levity of that moment in the like seriousness <laughs> of the situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the, so ultimately, so yeah, Voldemort seemed to know though, like what Harry saw. Yeah, I, mean, I they, think. Because Dumbledore kind of gonna I think that's gonna continue to like be a very common theme, like okay, kind of um angel and devil sort of dynamic mm-hmm. where Dumbledore might have foresight. Maybe I mean maybe he knows what the entire prophecy is mm-hmm. and is like his role is to guide him down, you know, and provide him mm-hmm. that opportunity of like um making those decisions and, and like 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 putting the cloak on his bed right right Just providing him that opportunity and saying like if this prophecy is true here's how ha- here's what is going to happen 
mm-hmm. and then like kind of guide, like I said, like guiding Harry along the way. Yeah. So I think we're okay. gonna continue seeing that. Um. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, based on that prediction, like I would also predict that there's like so do we got the angel devil dynamic so like mm-hmm. the devil part i think that might be interesting and that might be a way that the books take turns too is maybe there's some situations where harry doesn't make the right decisions to like fulfill the prophecy and he might be going down the wrong path or something mm-hmm. and dumbledore might i don't know like not have control over that and that might you know throw mm. a throw a wrench i don't know yeah book three or four or five, like somewhere yeah. kind of in the middle of the books or something where things don't go as planned like you said and Mm -hmm. yeah like it's gonna be so interesting to like get through all of it and then I understand like I think already I'm gonna kind of understand why people like rereading um yeah I mean that's that's what I think yeah (laughs) I'm really enjoying this I'm I I say it every time but like I love your takes I love how purely you just experienced the chapter for the first time (laughs) that's because it really caught me off guard like I I was very committed to the idea that like oh you passed the test and everything's cool but like now thinking about it I'm like if it it was the first book and it's meant for a young audience like he's gonna be a hero and fight the bad guy in the first book like I guess it totally makes sense but that's not what I was anticipating (laughs) Yeah, right. Because people have talked about this, like she maybe didn't know this would be a series before, like this one was ultimately so successful. Well, maybe she as a writer probably wanted to, but you don't always know if you're going to sell the first book. So then you wouldn't end up making a second, third, fourth, you know? Right, right, right. So yeah, in in some ways it kind of has to be a whole story on its own, but all the things she, I mean, a lot of what she sets up here is like stuff like you've talked about you you will deal with throughout the story so now uh, like i guess a question that is provoked from that being said that Mm -hmm. like it could have just been one book do people do harry potter people tend to really like the first book or is it is it not their favorite like i I don't know i guess where does it Uh, rank for people so is that too much actually no it's not (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I, I want you to stay excited because I think again, like the purity that you will have experienced these things, but generally mm. one and two are the least liked books. Interesting. I think that's great news though, mm-hmm. because like you said, like my, my pure reaction to the first book and given, I don't, I don't read a lot of fiction. So mm-hmm. like, you know, this is just a cool new world and everything mm-hmm. for me yeah. as a reader, but um. I think that's exciting to actually know that. Yeah. Because like I can stay excited. Um, I mean, I'm excited about the first one. I'll stay excited about the second one. And if those are the least two liked ones, then mm-hmm. I mean that means the rest of the uh the series is gonna be awesome. Yeah. I mean, I know book three people find very entertaining. Uh-huh. Book There's four of- is often people's favorite. Book six is often people's favorite. Book five is not usually people's favorite, but it's like one. I think it might be my favorite. And then Interesting. book seven is like how people just feel universally about a story coming to a really good conclusion. Not like uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, not like Game of Thrones and not like How Much Your Mother. <laughs> yeah. Like, more like The Office. There's like there's like no controversy pretty much at all with book seven. Um, book seven is just a beautiful, it's a, for me, it's just a, I just love it. 
I mean, I yeah. love the way she ends this series. Okay. When you've made it so deep into this world, like I think it's just a, it's you know you just it's want just that good. you want you want uh, what's his face Game of Thrones guy to write a book this good for the fi- you know for the final yeah. book like you just that's what you're looking for and so it's so re- it's so nice to get that. Yeah. Um, okay. But it's yeah it's just a it's a good book they're all yeah they get really good so so two um, will probably read pretty similar to this one in terms of you know it's an easy mm-hmm. read <laughs> right um and i think it's pretty short actually book five is the longest four is pretty long they get just physically longer too so that's one of the ways in which you can tell that they're like getting more detailed right um oh, oh cool. i'm just i just i was so excited for this this whole time and so now i'm like yes like a rocket off point because i feel like you get so much in those last in that last chapter yeah. positioning the villain positioning harry dumbledore playing a role at all yeah you get bravery too because for whatever dumb decisions they made they're also harry just jumped into a into the blackness when he went through the trap door he's like, like if he, i die send a note to dumbledore just thinking about that like that's so gryffindor of these three to be like oh we were put in the bravery house and then yeah. they really really take came it through. in stride i mean yeah. ron got himself knocked out by a magic chess piece but but that's also probably like gryffindor-esque too and i'll learn more about like mm, mm-hmm. how the houses work to just be like no i'm so confident in that decision yeah like, i know how to play chess if i yeah. do this we're gonna win so yeah like, let me let me just do he's this. like i got this i'll just play chess and then he did what a yeah i like too that based on what i know of chess even though i'm not chess player it's not like he had a strategy that would for sure beat the magic pieces were like uh-huh. also really good at chess you have to respond you don't even know if you're gonna end up sacrificing yeah. one of your friends or you in the game so good job ron you know way to yeah. be hermione knowing spells and then counter to your prediction harry i don't think performed a spell <laughs> he didn't mm-hmm. i was just ran once through he fire. started once he started like fighting with coral and mm-hmm. voldemort like i i thought he i thought he was gonna like whip out his wand and do something i thought that would have been yeah the moment um, but before that i thought the last chamber was just gonna be something that he knew that they didn't or i don't know something a little more specific and emotional too harry mm-hmm. and some spell that he knew but yeah i guess not Ugh. which means i'm still excited like when's he gonna do something i know it's gonna happen you're gonna love it they're wizards well we know he He's passed his exam so he must have done something like because at one point that didn't they yeah. say they'll like make like a clock tap dance or something there was like some test. pineapple oh yeah <laughs> so it's <was laughs> like uh he must have done that to some degree to yeah. pass it so i'm just excited for him to cast a spell because like we've seen what the other characters have cast and mm-hmm. this is this is like coming from my D campaign kind of thing where i'm like as you level up like your spells get better mm-hmm. and if you're a better wizard than somebody else like you can really you know do some damage or do some mm-hmm. cool things and it's like if hermione and ron are this good and harry's like the prophecy like he's the wizard mm-hmm what's he capable of you know even at 11 years old like even this early in his wizarding you know career or whatever you want to call it so that's why i'm that's why i'm eager and excited to see him cast something i'm like 
It's got to be Hermione so reacted like he must be a good wizard because she, she literally threw her, her arms around him and was like, yeah. oh, Harry, you're, you're a such a good wizard. wizard. <laughs> what do you think of this moment where she, <laughs> I forgot she gets so emotional here. I mean, she should because you, you could be sending your friend off to like meet his doom. Yeah. It would be quite scary. I think Ron didn't get to react because he was knocked out. That's probably part of how like the book read too, because we were excited to read through it and see like yeah. where he's going. And I think because it was the first book and like the audience was so young and stuff, like they probably she didn't she didn't want to put that much emotion into those scenes until mm-hmm. that part. She's like, okay, yeah, here's right. a little bit of emotion because you don't want to like. I don't yeah, know, add on a bunch of emotion to like kids reading and then be like, yeah, he could die right now. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> it was so. looking bleak, too. You were shocked when when Coral lunged at him and his hands started burning. You didn't know that right away that that was going to happen. So you're just like, no. oh, my God, he's being attacked. Oh, my God. He was all like, kill the boy. <laughs> yeah use the boy kill the boy yeah what is happening yeah he was being wacky um it's crazy some things to take from the story some funny things are just that people will make fun of like how funny is it now in retrospect that harry presumably went to class and learned defense against the dark arts from voldemort for like a year yeah so that's interesting but it will like i guess it wasn't from voldemort Directly, no, but he was just he like was literally just, there every day. <laughs> just every day, just facing the other direction. Just looking at the wall, being half alive, not not alive enough to kill, he said. Yeah, when you point. said the two or faces thing, thing, I immediately was like, oh, like turban or whatever. Yeah. Like you he's were right. got a second <laughs> face. And then yeah. and then like it took a while for him to actually unwrap and like expose it. And I was like, wait, did I like misinterpret this? Like mm-hmm. Is he just, is he just working within, you know, right, within right, right, right. Or like, I don't know. You're like, this I wasn't is, wait, is this really? I, I was, <laughs> yeah, I was confident right out the gate. And then it like, it didn't come up Wayne. again for a few <laughs> yeah, paragraphs. I and I was like, uh, did I, I blow it? Like, <laughs> yours funny. Yeah. Um, no, that was perfect. That's perfect. That's awesome. Is this really Great Voldemort? Book. I was like, uh. Yeah, that's what he says. But I think that's how you're supposed to feel too. It's just like, wait, what? Like you yeah. said after, you didn't expect him to really face him. He talked to him and he was all like, yeah, I killed your parents. <laughs> like, dude, dude chill. Yeah. Chill like, a little bit. But he gave him, he was like, they were pretty brave though. Your dad was brave, but he died. And then your mom was brave and she she died too. She didn't have to, but she did. <laughs> and now you're being brave and I'm trying to kill you, but like, I'm weak. So now hand me the stone from your pocket. Didn't explain why he was weak. Well, that's true. He didn't, you're right. He didn't explain that. Which I think is going to be more and more about what the series is about, probably. But hmm. um, yeah. Um, did you consider yet that if Harry and Ron and Hermione hadn't gone down there, Coral would just still not have the stone, presumably? Because it'd be in the mirror? Because the mirror wouldn't have given it to him because he wanted it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, which means the stone would still exist. Which means, ultimately, was Harry and Hermione and Ron going down there a beneficial thing against the fight of Voldemort? Uh, Again, like, that's an interesting (laughs) question. Thank you. (laughs) Because, like, yes, because of what ultimately happened. Right. But Yeah, which is what Harry says, I guess. He says, like... 
or Dumbledore says it like he's delayed. Yeah. Like ultimately, you delayed him. And if we keep delaying him, maybe we'll just delay him forever. Right. Um, I mean, and then the other part is like, yeah, there's a delay. But I still think that like if, if everybody knew who Harry was when he was a baby and stuff, like he's part of this prophecy. Right. And so like. You're, you've been saying prophecy. I'm not, I think that's something you came up with just right. Like that's not in the story. No, like that's, this is my kind of, this is one of my predictions. That's because okay. that's, that's what I believe. So like, I'm yeah, gonna, no, I, I got, supporting I, I want to be on the same page as you. Good. It's let's, a good let's back up and I'll go over my prediction again. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's evil in the world and it's because mm-hmm. of this guy, Voldemort mm-hmm. and super bad, dark wizard. Nobody can defeat him. He's been, pushed off by Dumbledore because he's the mm-hmm. only powerful wizard in the scene mm-hmm. um, but nobody can eliminate Voldemort even though he's continuing to corrupt people make more dark wizards and they're mm-hmm. killing people and doing bad mm-hmm. things Harry's born mm-hmm. Voldemort specifically goes to kill Harry's family and try to kill him was unable to kill him mm-hmm. so he's like the chosen one this is what I've said before it's a lot yeah. like the um, the Jedi situation with Anakin Skywalker like Okay. Or, uh, in, in Luke Skywalker, like just it, it has a lot of similarities. So that's why I keep referring to like, and yeah, I believe that I see. the story follows a similar, similar hero. Like it's a similar hero sort of prophecy story. So that's why I believe like that. a hero's journey, right? Yeah, like an epic. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's good. So like, that's why I'm saying like, in order for these things to happen, like, would he, would he still have been delayed because the mirror wouldn't have given him the stone? Yeah. But also this this Harry interfering with this must need to happen in order for more things to happen down mm, the road. I see. Right. If if um Skywalker didn't turn into Darth Vader, like then there then the, the story would have ended, right? Like then right. I don't know, then there is no story kind of thing. So I it's see. like and then Voldemort could like in this situation, then Voldemort just continues corrupting people and the whole world goes bad or whatever. And they're like, mm-hmm. there are essentials to the story happening. And I believe that this is one of them, of course. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then we get that little tidbit about why Snape hates Harry, which is now confirmed. <laughs> He's like in debt to his father. So yeah, that's one thing we didn't hear how he was like, like how his life was saved. I right. Hope we learn more about that. Right. Yeah. So I then he will. just hated Harry's dad a lot, I guess. So just now... because he felt in debt to him all the time. Yeah. That's what... Maybe it was a situation where he's like, oh, I could have saved myself. And then Harry's mm. dad saved him anyway. And he was like, you idiot. Like I could have. I could have done it like it's all yeah all like you kind of made me like, look weak or something yeah and now like I am alive so now I'm pissed that like I didn't have the opportunity to either save myself or just die in honor or at, like you I know. see yeah so it could be all upset about that which is a weird way to be upset but he's a Slytherin so like yeah <laughs> Slytherin classic Slytherin yeah OG serpent. Slytherin yeah yeah Oh, I'm so psyched. I think it's a good place to wrap. Awesome. Yep. It was longer than I thought. I'm glad we had plenty of time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you have the next book? Do you want? Yeah. Do you want to read it or listen again? I think reading would be awesome. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. We, we've pro- kind of proven that listening to it while I'm driving isn't the best for like retaining information. <laughs> Probably. Hey, now I hear the my little nephews. Yeah, they're around. <laughs> they're around being cute. Yeah. Okay, bro. It's been great. Let me know. Uh, go talk to Dan and convince him why this is such a fun idea. Yeah, he poked his head in here like two minutes ago. Oh, okay. Kind of recap. I was like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot hear this. Yeah. All right. No. Dan, All right. happy Thanksgiving. Love happy you. Thanksgiving, Miss Lauren. You. Yep, love you and too. Can't wait for the next one. Book two. Here we go. Book two. Here we go. <laughs> All right. See you later.